1: Say someone really wants to get into running, as an example, and they want to be someone who's super fit and running lots of races, and no one in their li- current life <laughs> engages in anything like that or even supports that. You have to ask yourself, you first have to think about the situation, the context. Like, if that was really me, what would my life actually look like? It'd probably be more around runner type people. Like, you know, like your life would actually be different. And so the sooner you can be honest with what you want and be honest with other people about what you want often that off it it can create tension i guess but it just it it repels the people who just don't want it yeah like because they don't want it and so one of the reasons why I, i think it's good to visualize the future stuff but also like what does life actually look like if that's true and then the sooner you start being honest with that to yourself and other people and start creating that start being that person now you know getting the friends that go running committing to that kind of thing it's pretty organic
0: It's very rare. I'm I'm super blessed to get to talk to all sorts of people and that we as a community get to gain wisdom from who comes on the show. But it's super rare that I read a book and like that day start stalking the author and trying to figure out how to have the conversation. When I'm reading something and it's so helpful for me, I'm like, oh, this is going to be so helpful for her. So uh, I just want to talk. Let's let's go back just a little bit of because I loved how you told the story in, in both books of how you sort of set an intention and this is what you wanted to do. So um can you tell a little bit about your story before we get into the lessons that we're gonna teach?
1: Just like my story in general. Yeah, yeah. Okay. How'd you get here? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah. There was a couple key events. My parents got divorced when I was eleven and that kind of collided everything. So I was the oldest of three boys, grew up in a very religious family, and just kind of everything changed. My dad actually went really deep into a drug addiction. Mm. And so he was he was in through that, like all my junior high, all my high school. My mom was trying to run a health business with her sister. And so like, I went from some structure. My parents are not, they were not very structured. People t- like zero structure. And so that was kind of like me growing up—a lot of chaos, a lot of just like instability—and uh, I ended up barely graduating high school. I did serve a, a mission for our church, and uh, then when I came back, I was just in love with psychology. So like that's really what sparked my love for reading and psychology—is just being out like on a church mission and getting to know people, doing community service, all sorts of stuff. And I read tons of books. It was just like freedom, and so that was. And I journaled. I fell in love with journaling, learned about journaling, and um, yeah, read books by people like Covey and other things. And so I was just like, I'm going to go study psychology. So I studied psychology. And um, yeah, I've pretty much just been studying that for the last probably 12 years, ended up going to Clemson, where I got my PhD in organizational psychology. And that's where we became foster parents of three kids. That's when I started writing online. And that's all been since like 2015. So yeah, that's there's some obviously pivotal aspects, but pretty much for the last 12 years since I've been home from that experience it's just been all learning, thinking, writing and then raising kids.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm, has been a journey. <laughs> I understand that for sure and I understand what it is to be a foster parent cuz I did that. Oh, you did. In Los Angeles, yeah. Okay. I'm curious, lots of people yeah. go to college, lots of people get the PhD, they're interested in subjects but they don't translate that in, you know, 7 years to publish books and the acclaim that you've, like, this is a journey and this is something that you've worked toward, which is a lot of what I want to talk about today, this idea of achievement and focusing on this version of yourself that you can sort of see in the future and how we get to that place. So what were some of the steps that you took along the way that you feel like were pivotal in you going from a PhD student to this author who's sitting in front of me in Austin having a conversation sure. about his books.
1: So when I got home from that mission, that was 2010, um, I actually thought I was originally going to write religious books, to be fully honest with you. But in going along that path, reading lots of books, and then learning more about psychology, I just got really interested more in leadership. So my PhD is in what's called organizational psychology, which is leadership, training, culture, all that stuff. As far as like the path of PhD student to talking to you, pretty much from 2010 to 2015ish which is when I started writing online I knew I wanted to write and I was just consuming writing uh, I even like tried drafting books and I didn't really know the path pretty much I started writing on medium.com honestly mm-hmm. in 2015 but once when I started I was already like I had already done like 20,000 hours you know what I mean like yeah. I had, I have so many journals I had read so much and so it came very quickly for me once I started online And I was very clear on kind of the outcome. I really wanted to be a professional author. I'd already talked to lots of authors. I already knew that I needed to get like 100,000 email subscribers. Like I kind of already had reverse engineered how to get a book deal, which is what I really wanted. And so I just needed to find a pathway. And so I just was trying different things. And I found medium.com and took some online courses, just learned how to write headlines and like just wrote like a beast like from 2015 through... 17, which is when I got my first book deal. And so it's just writing, 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 a lot of failing, a lot of learning. And um, yeah, uh, just letting it out, just learning how to get myself into the right place and just writing from like my soul. And and so, yeah, it came pretty quick when you can kind of clarify and just let it go.
0: Yeah. Well, and I also think a really incredible focus as well, right? Because this is a lot of what the newest book is about—is this idea of having a clear focus on where you want to go and what you want to do. I love the book starts with this story about Mr. Beast, which maybe not everybody knows, but I have four kids, so I know exactly. I'm a who. huge
1: fan of Mr. Beast personally. <laughs> He's
0: so <laughs> smart. It's like, honestly, this kid. Have you seen him on Rogan?
1: Oh yeah, oh, that yeah.
0: interview. On the one hand, I was like, you're a genius. And on the other hand, I felt so sad for him because I was like, who's taking care of you? Because he clearly understands how to build this thing that he's built. But when he tells a story about how he basically goes bankrupt every time they I'm like, bro, you are what are you talking? Like Please. he should
1: be so, 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 so wealthy.
0: And like, even if he, and he's so like such a beautiful heart and like gives it all away. And but I'm like, but you need somebody. You need to make sure you can pay your rent. Like when he said that he has to borrow money all the time, I was like, oh, poor baby. That's not the point. The point is that the book starts with this conversation for people who aren't familiar. Will you tell that story?
1: Yeah. So I learned about Mr. Beast probably in 2020 or something. You know, he's so big and I watch a lot of YouTube. And so I started watching... His videos, and I was already deep into writing the book on Future Self. I'd been actually I actually wanted to write Future Self before I wrote The Gap in the Game. Okay. But it just didn't work out that way. And so I'd been thinking about Future Self for honestly like a few years, but was writing these other books. And then sometime in 2020, it was actually in October, because I know since I wrote about it, but an odd video popped up in the Mr. Beast newsfeed and it had like an old picture of him and it was, Hi, me in five years. And so I'm like, This is interesting. And I watched it and it was like this video that he had pre recorded five years before. And he was talking to himself and he was talking to his future self and he was saying, You know, here's where I want to be. And I just thought, That is so weird. Like he's having a conversation with his future self five years into the future and he set the video to get. Pre, like he, he
0: pre-scheduled yeah he scheduled yeah. it to go
1: into advance and so then I looked back and I realized he had done other ones of that too and he did it all in the same night and so I just thought that's pretty cool yeah like that he's talking to his future self he's making it public uh obviously the crazy part is is that and everyone commented on it as well because it came out like in 2020 and he is his channel was already massive like 44 million subscribers and he was talking to his future self wanting to have like a million subscribers and they're like holy cow it was an amazing time capsule because you see this like 17 year old kid in his parents house like totally unrefined and then you now see who mr beast is like this freaking huge yeah to give to
0: give context how many subscribers does he have Do you know yeah or he roughly, just barely
1: passed 100 million. 100
0: million. Yeah, he live streamed
1: himself getting 100 million and he gave the 100 millionth subscriber an island or something crazy. Oh my God. You know what like, I mean? Like, yeah.
0: Just to give a little bit more of this backstory. So there's, imagine y'all that there's a teenage boy, yeah, you know, sitting in his parents' house, whatever. He was a YouTuber. And this was before people were making, you know, millions of dollars doing this. Yeah. He makes three is it three videos? I think he
1: made four or five. Okay. But yeah.
0: So he makes this series of videos to himself in the future. Yep. Dear me in one year. Dear yep. me in five years. Yep. In 10. Whatever. He's talking to himself in the future and he's calling a shot. You know, he's Babe Ruth pointing the bat into that part of the field and saying, when I am... 20 years old or when it is five years in the future, this is what I hope that I have. And he's like really passionate about it and also maybe a little scared and like, oh, I hope we do this, whatever. He pre-schedules those videos to run as sort of like an accountability partner, right? Like now I know that I have these videos that are going to publish of me calling these shots, so I better work to achieve them. So it turns out he far and above exceeds every idea he had for himself. But in the book, you're breaking down the psychology of why this method of calling your shot, seeing the future version works. So for anyone who's listening, who's working on a dream, you know, wants to build the the business, wants to the best mom ever wants to go back and get their PhD. What were the pieces and the psychology of what he was doing that really can help us to fulfill the vision we have of our future?
1: Yeah. So one thing he did that was really interesting is he made, so he made a six month video. And actually what's interesting is, is after the six month video came out, he forgot that it had come out. He 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 forgot that he had filmed it. And so he made a reaction To his own video. And he's watching himself. You know, he's up on the little screen watching his past self from six months before saying where he wanted his future self to be. And he's just kind of laughing at it. He's like, I can't believe how dumb I look. He's like, look, my studio's better now. You know, it's only been six months, you know. And he only wanted to have like maybe 10 or 20,000 more subscribers in those six months. But he's like, oh, I passed it, you know. And then he did one for a year. I don't think he did a reaction to that. But anyways, I guess the main thing, the main reason I thought that this story was so interesting was that the field of psychology and even neuroscience has really shifted in this direction. So for a really long time, the whole field of psychology was really obsessed with the past. If you think about it, like Freud, it's like sit on the couch, let's talk about your past, let's work through the trauma, let's go all, let's, let, let's hear your story. And most psychologists and even most psychological theories for a really long time thought that human beings were basically the byproduct of their own past, which is, there's still a lot of truth to that. But what modern research is showing is that human beings actually spend way more time thinking about the future than the past. We actually think about our own future at least two to three times, probably two to five times more than we think about our past. We're, mm. we're regularly thinking about the future. Um, that's actually called prospection. We're, we're always thinking about our future and kind of where we're wanting it to go. And then ultimately we get committed to that future. And so like one, I guess one important And then we can kind of talk about ultimately how he got all committed to that and ultimately shifted himself and started being his future self, which is really how he got there, was just that prospection is based on an idea that everything we do as a human being is driven by a goal. So like if someone is listening to this conversation, it's because even if reactively they had the goal to listen to it, they maybe came across their news feed, but they decided, okay, I want to turn this on you and I at some point had the goal of getting this conversation together, which is how I ended up here in Texas. Yeah. And so everything we do is driven by a goal, even just me getting up and going to the fridge or me picking this thing up. Like, And so oh we're God. all driven by a future. But a big challenge is, is that most people's futures are very short term. It's mm-hmm. like get to the end of the day, get the kids to school, get the groceries, get the bills paid. Like It's just kind of like an urgent future that's coming at you like a fire hose. And so there's one of my favorite quotes is from Robert Green in 50 Cent. And I think I put it literally (laughs) twice in the book. But it's, you know, basically the idea is, is that by our nature as rational conscious creatures, we cannot help but think of the future. But most people out of fear limit their views of the future to a narrow range. Thoughts of tomorrow, a few weeks ahead, perhaps a vague plan for the months to come. We're generally dealing with so many immediate battles that it is hard for us to lift our gaze above the moment. It is a law of power. However, that the further and deeper we contemplate the future, the greater our capacity to shape it. Mm. And so what I like about his story was he started really at 17 contemplating a very big future self. He's talking to his future self five years in the future. It's a really big future self. I mean, to have a million subscribers from where he was at, like if you look at him, his, he was really bad at what he was doing. Like yeah. his, he was unrefined. He didn't have the skills. He was p- making very bad videos. Like but that's where his future self was, and that was the vision that was driving everything he was doing, therefore driving who he was becoming, the skills he was developing. And so I just thought, obviously he got very committed to that. And then one thing that was really interesting was you ac- if you actually go back to his videos, you actually do see a tangible difference after October of 2015, which is when he filmed those videos. Like, you can tell he got more committed. He started being more bold. He started kind of playing at that higher level and failing at that higher level so that it started to produce better outcomes very quickly. And so in it, within a year, he went from maybe like, I think he said 8,000 8, subscribers. Now he's a year later, he's got like three or 400,000, you know, and he's just growing much faster, much more exponentially. So he obviously got really committed to that.
0: Almost every morning of my life, I have oatmeal. Seriously, during the winter, having something hot in the morning really makes a big difference in my day. Quaker has been a trusted name in oatmeal for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, or ballpoint pens. Quaker has something for everyone, whether it's old-fashioned or quick oats that are good for cooking or baking. And while a ton of things have changed, the good stuff remains the same. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats at your local grocery store. I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing. traveltexas.com slash get your own. Can you unpack the idea of failing at a bigger level, producing bigger results, right? And how as humans so often we don't realize that we are playing small. And that playing small is what is giving us these tiny incremental (laughs) results where like nothing's working. It's like, yeah, but also you're not really trying in a big way. Um, Explain the psychology of that.
1: Mm -hmm. So a few concepts come to mind. So one thing that's really interesting is your identity as a human being is what you're most committed to. So as humans, whatever you're most committed to is your identity. Um, So your identity could be, and, and you can know your identity by just simply observing your behavior. Like,
0: you know. Identity meaning who you perceive yourself to be.
1: Yeah. How you see the world. So you however you see the world is based on how you identify with the world. Mm-hmm. And so if you and, and then you can and then your identity is the thing that funnels your behavior. So and,
0: and just real quick, yeah, go ahead. Because imagine that listeners are totally unfamiliar with this. I'm like yep, 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 yep. so excited right now because I'm gonna geek out with you so hard. Sure. Sure. But identity is something that we can cultivate and choose and work towards in ourselves but if that's not something if you haven't learned if you haven't read all the books that you've yeah, yeah, read yeah, sure, sure. then can you explain how an identity is most commonly created like we're living out the story of our family of origin we're living yep, out yep. our environment
1: and I'll try to pull this back to the idea of failing at the level of your future self but
0: Oh, yeah. Hold on. That, I can't even, I'm like so pumped because I (laughs) said this quote a million times. I told my boyfriend, I told my friends, I kept sending it to people. Literally one of my favorite quotes ever in the book slash in life is, and forgive me because I'm probably going to misquote you, but it was like, I would rather fail as my future self than succeed as my current one.
1: Yeah. What?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Then that I honestly, I I forgot that that I was telling everybody for weeks, I would rather fail as my future self. Okay, I'm getting... I need a notepad because I'm so excited to talk to you that I'm going to forget. I, I usually
1: have a journal <laughs> with me and my journal's over there.
0: We're like, okay, don't forget to come back, but I'll, 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 we'll, keep we'll, us on track. We'll,
1: we'll bring it over to there. Right. So here's what's really interesting. So back to the idea of prospection, and I'll connect that with identity, and then I'll connect that with failing as your future self. So prospection means that as people, we're being, we're literally being pulled forward by the future that we're most committed to. But if you observe how most people's, Behavior is most people are committed to very short-term goals, meaning it's kind of like a, a hamster wheel. Just it's kind of repetitious every week. You know, get to work, pay the bills, get the groceries, like get the gas in the car. Those are all goals. Like if if my car is low in gas, like I got to go fill it up. Therefore, that's going to drive my behavior to like get to the gas station and fill it up. And so, basically, in other words, our our identity is driven by the goals we're most committed to. You know, it could be me hanging out with my kids, you know, I want to go to my kids' baseball game, like that's part of my identity. And so your identity is what you're most committed to as a person. And you can see your identity by observing your own behavior, um, because your identity. So basically, just the idea is, is that your identity is being driven by the future that you're most committed to. And so to change your identity, it takes getting committed to new goals, essentially getting committed to a new, like something new. For me, like, I'm very committed right now to writing the book I'm writing. Like, that's driving everything I'm thinking about and doing. But I may, my future self may have totally different goals. You know, I might not even be interested in writing books in the future. Like, maybe I've gone through experiences that I value something different, you know. So anyways, to the idea of failing as your future self and why this is, I think, more interesting than succeeding as your current self. Basically, I'll, I'll give two ideas. One is deliberate practice, and then one is what I call investment and loss. And actually, I didn't even call it that. That's what Josh Waitzkin called it in the book, The Art of Learning, which is a great book. Have you ever read that one, by uh-uh. the way? Such a good book. So okay. he calls it investment and loss. But de- de- deliberate practice is basically just, you've heard of this one. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very famous idea yeah. in psychology, but basically, it's practicing above your skill level. So like, if I'm really obsessed with Michelangelo right now, just went to Italy and like what I like about Michelangelo is he was always doing projects that were so far above his current skill, like the David. He couldn't have done that when he first started. But doing that project over three years turned him into a very good sculptor. Right. Like doing any project that's way above your skill level, you fail a lot along the way because right. you're trying at the level of the project and you're right here.
0: Right. It's like playing basketball with people who are way better at basketball than you are, or soccer, or any sort of sport. You're challenging yourself to get in that environment, and it forces you to go higher than you would have if you were playing with people at your own level.
1: Yeah. So basically, in order to deliberate practice, you have to have a specific goal. And in order to do it well, even research shows you have to have a clear view of your future self. So like, say even me right now, like I could be a lot better of a dad. <laughs> and yeah, so like, we all could be and better. so if I want to deliberately practice as a really good dad, you know, maybe I'm not quite as patient or maybe my kids don't feel as much love as I want them to feel. I would need to actually make that something I really want and something I see for myself, my future self and see that me and my kids have this amazing relationship. And then I need to start playing at that level now, being as my future self. So like yeah, I'll probably make a lot of mistakes. Because honestly, right now, I don't have the skills to do it at the level I want it to. And so it will, I'll be failing a lot being and trying as my future self, which is actually deliberately practicing. I'm actually thoughtfully, consciously trying to be uh, at the level of my goal. And then what Josh Waitzkin called it, what I just loved is he calls it investing in loss, which is kind of what you were talking about. Like you're playing with people, you know, it could be basketball, you're practicing with people way above your skill level. So you're going to lose a lot. But that's how you get really good if you're just flowing with it. So yeah. it's just playing at the level of your future self rather than winning, I guess you could say, at the level of your current self.
0: Oh, so freaking good. It, like it, the only sad part about doing this interview is that I want to like pause our conversation and then go journal for an hour and then come back and be like, okay, here are my follow-up questions. What are things that you, like have you seen in your own life that you have practiced in this way? So use the example of, of being a father, which is amazing. But have you actually seen traction where you're like, I push myself into this situation?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like even just one could be. So one idea of looking at it is raise your floor. Like we all have a floor and a ceiling. Right. And so like one thing you could do is like, let's just say you're a consultant or something and you charge a certain level. Like now moving forward, you've just doubled your price and now you don't accept any any consulting fees at the old price and maybe Mm -hmm. you're now getting rejected a lot at the new price but you've made that the new standard and so now that's kind of failing at the new level but you've you've made that the new standard and so now you stop saying yes at the level of your current self which is maybe your current consulting fee and so it's just raising the floor and then learning how to kind of get your life your skills your abilities or your reputation or whatever to that new level that's that's one example.
0: I love that you use that as an example because I'm thinking of how many people in this community are small business owners. And one of the most powerful things that you can do is raise your rates. Raise your rates, raise your rates, raise your rates. And this Enormously. is something that is so hard, especially for the women that I've worked with over the last 15 years because they're just like, no, I that I don't want any. And I always think like if you have a bunch of paying clients for the service that you are offering people in this world, and you jump up, you jump up to a rate where you start to you start to get no's, right. You are making still way more money doing less work and less effort than you were at a lower level. So, not that that's what our conversation is about today, but I just want to touch on that because I know so often when I meet, you know, women. There's a gal that I absolutely love, an amazing ceramicist that I just half the things in my house are from her, and I was because I'm a dork. I'll like, "Oh, let's go grab coffee." And I'm like, "Okay, so tell me your business model." And she starts walking me through it. And I'm like, "And how much okay, great. And what is the cost of your goods and how do-? and she's walk and I'm like, "I said you're losing money." She's <laughs> like, "No, no, you don't understand. Every month this is what." And I'm like, "No, you're lo- I promise you, if you did the math, you're actually losing money on this because when we own small businesses, we think that our time doesn't cost anything. So we're like, "Well, I'm free." No, you're not. You're not free if you actually had a price. So I'm, I'm trying to encourage her. I'm like, just charge more. So this idea of raising your floor, I feel like, Ben, someone is going to hear this today and it's literally going to change their life and how they provide for their family because they have the courage. Even if you start to hear those no's, you're still pulling in at a rate higher than you were. But the only way that's possible is if it is a flag in the ground. You refuse to go backwards. You say, January 1st of 2023 it costs this, and I cannot go back, because if you're willing to wiggle for anybody, it, you're going to lose traction.
1: Yeah, that's exactly why commitment and identity are exactly the same, <laughs> and actually even standards. So actually, when you've raised the floor or your standard, your standard and your identity could be, like standard, identity, and commitment are three words basically saying the same thing. Your standards wow. are your identity. So if you keep going back and saying yes, then that shows that that's what you're committed to. Yeah, And so... If you say this, this is what now I'm going to do and I'm committed to this, and you start saying no to anything below that standard now, then you find a way to get yeses at the new standard, and that's that's where you're starting to fail as your future self. Um, Dan Sullivan actually has a really like beautiful little model for this he calls it the four Cs formula have you ever heard of the four Cs
0: is it in one of the books no no okay well then i don't know if i have <laughs>
1: so four Cs is simple it's first you commit 100% to something specific and then the commitment leads to courage because you're committing above your current capability and skill and knowledge you know you're committing above that so let's just say you just as a consultant or a young you know maybe this pot <laughs> the ceramics lady now just raises the prices enormously which is going to be scary for her And she doesn't know if she can actually sell these pots at this price. And so that leads to courage. First off, it's just scary to make a commitment. And then to fail, figuring out how to fulfill that commitment, that courage cycle of where you're trying and failing as your future self, that ultimately leads to you eventually developing capability, which is the third C. And as you develop higher levels of skill, knowledge, uh, expertise, or whatever, then you have new levels of confidence, which is the fourth C. So good. And so... Yeah, it takes committing first. And then that commitment leads to massive courage. And courage from like a psychology standpoint is the willingness to try something that might not work. Um, You're actually trying something that, yeah, it might not work. And a lot of people, they don't want that. They want the promise of the result before they'll try. Yeah. Courage is, I'm going to try this. I'm going to I'm going to adapt i'm going to get fast feedback loops i'm going to figure this out along the way and then as you do that you develop skills your past self didn't have perspectives your past self didn't have and then you now are producing results that your past self couldn't have and so the results are what create the confidence
0: to me being healthy is really grounded in nutrition honestly what i eat and what my kids eat is super important to how we live our lives. It's why I love a company like Thrive Market because Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories. So when I go online and I use their on-site filters, I can figure out exactly my lifestyle needs and trust that what I'm getting from Thrive Market is what I want to take into my body. When you join Thrive Market, you're also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. You can join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarketcom rach for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E, market.com slash rach, thrivemarket.com slash rach. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, plus What would you say to people listening who I would say one of the biggest issues within community when I have conferences or when I speak is mostly women, predominantly women in my community are terrified of failure, terrified. They don't want to get it wrong and they don't want to do, you know, they don't want everyone to see them get it wrong. And in this scenario, we're suggesting that that failure, first of all, that you reframe the way you look at failure, but also that your commitment to failing as your future self is actually, it's like the obstacle is the way. It's actually the thing that's going to make you the person that you want to be.
1: Yeah, this is actually one of my favorite aspects of all of the future self concepts is to give like a little bit of foundation on the future self concept. One of the big findings, I guess you could say, of researchers on the topic of future self is that most people, if they look back at who they were 10 years ago, they can easily see differences like if i if i if i was to like literally if i was sitting down with the version of you 10 years ago <laughs> we'd probably be having a little bit of a different conversation
0: absolutely right oh my god yeah
1: like you had a different philosophy you had so many you did so many of the experiences and and things you care about now your past self just simply didn't have and so you had a different identity you had different goals you had different perspectives and so you had different tastes maybe even in little things like music or food or things like that so you were your if it So basically the key idea is just as people, if we look back on who we were five, ten years ago, even a year ago, especially if you're someone who's learning and growing, you can see massive changes. And actually, I don't want to go too deep into the gap in the game, but this is why I love that concept is every week I can look back and say, okay, I'm not the same person. Yeah. But the really interesting aspect is that even after I've talked to you about this and even after I've even thought about it and seen, wow, ten years ago, yeah. Like If I really got down to the nuts and bolts, I'm a totally different person. I, I see the world differently. I operate in the world differently. I have a different situation. Like My past self couldn't even have comprehended uh, the normal life that I have. So even after people have done that, when they're projecting forth their future self, even 10 years or more into the future, they don't apply the same principle. Um, what they do is, is they assume that their future self is essentially the same person they are today, that, they'll, that their future self have the same tastes, interests, values, goals, personality even when the truth is and and the psychological term for that is the end of history illusion just it's the belief that you won't change very much in the future when in fact your future self is going to be just as different to you now as you are to your former self and so it's a key like Mm. insight to realize your future self is extremely different they're a different person than you they see things differently they care about different things they have different perspectives goals totally different way of even operating in the world the reason that's helpful, especially to the idea of failing, is that your current self, actually Daniel Gilbert, who's the Harvard psychologist, and if anyone wants like a little bit of a deeper dive on this, he gave a main stage TED talk called The Psychology of Your Future Self in 2014. But one of the things he says is is that your present self is present and fleeting as the present moment. And so why I like this, and it connects actually with a lot of research, but one is I love the quote from Brene Brown. She says, either you're trying to be right, or you're trying to get it right. And if you're trying to be right, you're actually trying to prove your current self's perspectives. Mm. If I'm trying to be right, I'm like really trying to like say, I got this. I know this. When it's like if you're trying to get it right, you know that your current self is as temporary and fleeting as the present moment. My future self in a week from now is going to have way better perspectives than me. They're going to know more than me. My current self is in a lot of ways always a dumpster fire. (laughs) Honestly, like no, seriously, like my current self, like I'm in the middle of writing a book right now. It's, it's totally trash. Like even me trying to like get my health right or get my kids right, like your current self is always an evolving state and your future self is always gonna be different. And kind of the key aspect of the fixed mindset versus growth mindset is the fixed mindset is someone who's completely overly solidified and identified with who they currently are. And they said, this is who I am, this is who I'm always gonna be. And people with a fixed mindset perceive their future self to be the same person they are today. They think that they are the finished product. Actually, that's one thing that Daniel Gilbert said is he says human beings are works in progress that mistakenly think they're finished. And so if you have a growth mindset, you know that your future self is going to be wildly different than you are today. They're going to see the world differently. They're going to have figured out a lot of things you don't have figured out. They'll have skills. You know, maybe your future self can speak Spanish. Maybe you don't have business right now, but maybe your future self is like an insane leader, right? So it allows you to not worry about failing because your current self is so temporary. Like, I don't, you know... I'm not attached to my current self. My current self, like after this conversation, I'll have perspectives where it's like, yeah, I could have said things a lot differently. Who cares? Right. You know, it just allows you a ton of freedom and flexibility in the moment because you're not trying to prove yourself. Your current self doesn't have it all. Your future self will have it better.
0: But also don't you feel like what people are up against is not just the idea of shifting their perception of their current self and their future self, but also a whole community of people who are very attached to who we are right now. Because I feel like this is something, especially women, so I tend to have a community of women who are working on themselves, whether that's health or relationships, business, whatever. And one of the things that they push up against is a partner who doesn't get it, a mother-in-law, their mother, their sister, whatever, those people in their life who are like, you've changed. I don't like this new you. Oh, so you're just now, you're you're just going to go – train for a half marathon every other day. (laughs) You're just going to go. And so they're not just battling their own mindset about reaching for more. They're also battling literally real human beings who are fighting against this idea. And I always think that that happens. Sometimes people do that from a place of love because they're scared and they don't know. Sometimes they do it from a place of fear. Sometimes they do it because they're a jerk. But ultimately, you are holding up a mirror, right? By you changing and by you being okay with getting it wrong, you're holding up a mirror to someone else that can see that they're not. If our ladies and like our three dudes, because there's always a few (laughs) fellas in this mix, are listening and they're like, yeah, but, you know, my husband doesn't get it. Yeah, but, so like what, is it just having like such a killer attachment to that focus so that what other people are saying doesn't matter, or how do you navigate that?
1: It's it's a really good question. I, I'm interested in how you've navigated that as well. Have you ever read the book Awareness by Anthony DeMello? Mm-mm. Such a good book. Okay. But one of the things he talks about is no longer being emotionally dependent on anything. Emotionally dependent means if if you believe that, for example, you're unhappy because your boyfriend acts a certain way, then you're emotionally dependent on him acting a certain way. Yes. Right? And so I think one of the things that's helped me with that is realizing, like, it's an inside game and living and let live in a lot of ways. So, like, obviously you can communicate, you can talk to people, you can, you know, obviously it's it's far easier if people have a shared vision, like, in terms of a long-term relationship, business relationship, like, partners and stuff like that. Like, once the visions actually start to go different directions, that's usually... When things go south, or, yeah. or, or or at least honestly, just maybe south is the wrong way of saying it, but...
0: Tension, like, for sure.
1: Well, yeah. Like, once the visions are are no longer aligned and people are no longer working in a shared direction, then you have to assess, like, is this, are we still committed to the same thing? And if not, like, has the relationship ran its course?
0: And people, I mean, yeah. that's even yeah. a really good point of whether we're talking about friendships, we're talking about business associations that, I mean, we're saying your future version of you think, think 10 years back, right? You are such a different person than you were 10 years ago. So what makes you think that all of the people who were at the right vibrational level for you 10 years ago would still be at the right level for you today? So I think I've encountered this in my life. And I've actually talked about this a lot recently of if you've ever had a friend or like a friend group or whatever that you were so close and you love them so much. And then over time, nothing really happened. There wasn't like a big, you know, battle. You didn't have a knife fight like a, you know, in the Sharks versus the Jets or whatever. But it just doesn't feel right anymore. And you're like, oh, but I feel bad. Like they haven't done anything. What when you came into that scenario, you were maybe they were even a little above you vibrationally. Maybe they were above you in sort of where they were, but you've now hit a level where that no longer aligns. And I think when we keep trying to make those types of things work in business, and friendship, and romantic relationships, or even in dreams that we've had, it's so detrimental. It's it's like an anchor that will keep us from rising any higher because we don't want to leave other people behind. We don't want to be mean. We don't want to be a bad girl. We want everyone to like us. So it's like, okay, I'll just stay in this thing that no longer works. And I just want to encourage listeners, you know, we all have that still small voice inside of us, that intuition that is speaking and saying like, something's not right here. And it doesn't mean that you need to be rude or mean or, you know, throw two middle fingers and walk the other direction, but it does need to be unpacked and to kind of look at why this thing is feeling like it doesn't work anymore. I especially think that um, for our, our female friendships and and the, the people that we have around us, because if you're really working on making big life changes, like... You know, women in my community, health is a huge focus and they take on big challenges that they've never done before. And if you don't have anybody in your circle who can get that and be supportive, dang, it's already so hard to do what you're doing. You've just made it harder. So, adding one great piece of inspiration, one great new friend, You know, joining, um, for example, join a club where other people are into what you're into. You know, get a coach if you could afford it. Go follow people on social media who are doing the thing in a positive, uplifting way. Like they're training for the marathon, they're going back to school, they're paying off their debt, whatever it looks like. But you need positive influence that's leading you in the direction of where you're trying to go if you don't have that in your current circle.
1: I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I think one one good way to look at it is if you were to be honest with your vision of your future self. Say someone really wants to get into running, as an example, and they want to be someone who's super fit and running lots of races and no one in their li- current life <laughs> engages in anything like that or even supports that. You have to ask yourself, you first have to think about the situation, the context, like if that was really me, what would my life actually look like? I'd probably be more around runner type people. Like, you know, like your life would actually be different. And so the sooner you can be honest with what you want and be honest with other people about what you want, often that it can create tension, I guess, but it just, it, it repels the people who just don't want it. Yeah. Like because they don't want it. And so one of the reasons why I think it's good to visualize the future stuff, but also like, what does life actually look like if that's true? And then the sooner you start being honest with that to yourself and other people and start creating that, start being that person now, you know, getting the friends that go running, committing to that kind of thing, it's pretty organic.
0: You know, it's really powerful for me too, when I'm trying to adopt a new concept or sort of really let something like this permeate into my life, is to look at past examples of where, That would have been true if only I had known this information. So I think of, for instance, when I know my intention in a project, let's go back two years, if I know my intention in a project or a launch that we're doing or a book that's coming out and I have a really clear idea of why I am doing this thing, but I partner with people who have totally different intentions and we never actually discuss those, it's always going to go wrong and i have encountered this again and again and again and at some point the universe will stop teaching me this lesson cuz i'll stop getting it wrong but i just love the reminder of you know if you want this thing what must be true in every part of your work for it to feel like that right like i think of an example in my life is i am actually really happy with humble things Meaning like I have been doing this a very long time and I'm super blessed to have spoken to really big arenas full of people. And I've thrown conferences where 8,000 women come and it's so exciting. And I have zero weirdness about going to a room where 40 people showed up and feeling pumped, like genuinely. That is, a I think I'm really proud that that's how I'm wired. But if you don't express that, (laughs) to everybody who's working on a project, it will get warped. And then what I find is that you are in the midst of something where you're like, this is not what I was aiming for, right? This was not what I was trying to put out in the world. This is not who I thought my future self was going to be. And it's because you actually aren't being very clear about your vision and your intention. And if you're not clear, you don't repel those people, I used to have this prayer years ago. My big sister always said, like, Lord, let the door slam in my face. Like, let them fly open or slam in my face. Because sometimes she'd be like, I need you to tell me when it's not the right person because I just, I'm, I feel unclear. So just make it so clear. And I love the idea. If we are very clear and very honest about what we are trying to do, it won't go as fast We might not find the people who align exactly in the way that we want right away, but we certainly won't get ourselves into situations where it's wrong because we weren't clear on what the intention was.
1: Yeah. I think it actually would go a lot faster if we were clear and more honest because then we would be communicating it more regularly and finding it. So I'm going to share. So I'm right now writing my third book with Dan. It's called 10X is Easier Than 2X. And so I'll, I'll Briefly explain just because it's really relevant to this. So 10x is a big idea. It's common. It's a common idea. But Dan's been teaching this for like 30 years and he looks at it very differently. So 10x is usually looked at as the end. Like it's usually the target. You know, like I want to go from making 100,000 to a million, right? And it's also usually looked at purely quantitatively, like in numbers. But usually the 10x is actually qualitative. It's a transformation. You're a different person uh, and you had to have become a different person to make that quantitative jump so like I look at 10x as like being able to do something fundamentally different from what you could do before so like a child going from like crawling to walking is like a qualitative jump they are now doing things their past self couldn't do I was just barely like with my family and my younger brother is supposed to live with my dad so like going from living with your parents to like living on your own is a massive 10x jump like it's a qualitative jump you're now operating differently than you were before and you had to learn skills and take on responsibility that you didn't have before. Well, one of the things we talk about in the book, we kind of use the 80-20 principle, that if you want to go for 2x, which is pretty much just like linear marginal growth, you can keep 80% of your existing self. You only have to change 20%. So, so listen to this. So, like, If you want to go for 2x, you don't have to change very much. It's really just dragging the past into the future. It's doing more of what you're doing. It's not very inspiring. It doesn't require change. It's often actually the avoidance of change. And it's more linear. Whereas if you want to go 10x and you want to make a massive transformation, looking at it more qualitatively, that you transform and become fundamentally different and you can do different things than your past self could do. You can only keep the best 20% of what you're currently doing. Actually, 80% of your current life is a radical distraction from 10x. 80% wouldn't scale. 80% of your current clients... 80% of your current business, 80% of your current habits, all of that is what got you here, and it's what you love. Actually, I was just listening to this interesting interview from uh, Jordan Peterson, and he talked about how, he he says commitment and sacrifice are the exact same thing, but in order to commit to something, you have to sacrifice almost everything else for it, but how I look at it is, and he talked about how the thing you must sacrifice is the thing you actually love most right now. Let let me be clear. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I know.
1: (laughs) Let me give an example. So I'm talking about the 80% of things that are, you know, if you're thinking about just in terms of a business, like there's 80% of things right now going on that aren't going to go to 10x. And so you have to identify what is the what are the one or two things? This is actually one of the really beautiful reasons about making a vision very big is that the bigger you make it, the, the more honest you have to be that most of the things aren't going to get you there. If you actually have a small vision, like maybe I want to grow by 10%, there's like literally a thousand options you could do by for to grow. Yep. And so it creates complexity. Whereas if you go really high and you think really big, it forces simplicity that almost nothing will work. Almost everything I'm doing won't get me there. I'm, I'm juggling like 10 different things. Maybe the best one. Maybe if I, you know, in my case as a writer maybe I really need to spend a lot more time thinking and like, I need to write 10 times better books. Like, you know, you, you have to be really honest that like, there's only a few things that would get you to 10 X and, and almost everything that is here right now won't get you there. The only reason I bring that up is that anyone who's made a big jump in their life, call it, you know, start a business or like got in really good shape. They made a big jump and they had to give up a lot of their past self, even a lot of the things they loved. Maybe they Freaking loved certain really unhealthy things. Yeah, like and so you have to let go of some of those things you love most because those are the things tied to the current identity, not the future self. Right. And and but yeah, you, what
0: what I thought of when you said sure. it was like comfort. If you're really honest with yourself, you'd be like, "What do I love most? Like, I love this. I love that." You sort of think in it. but if you boil those things down, right? What do, what do I love most? I love predictability. What do I love most? I love that I know exactly how everything's going to be every single day. And if I want to dream bigger, if I want to sort of leap up here, then I will have to let go of that stuff. The flipping the 80-20 on this and thinking like you would have to, yes, dude. this is so It's so real. As someone, not to be a total douche lord, but I have experienced in my life Going from like dum dum to yep. what the hell just happened? Yes. I don't what on earth this thing exploded. I never anticipated it. So I and I can look at that time and go, Oh yeah, very specifically, I without question, I made a commitment. And you went
1: deep. You went deep I on went that deep. 20%, whatever that was for you, yes, writing the book, so learning. I mean, you went yes. deep and you started yes. letting go of the other things.
0: Absolutely. And I was, we were talking about this earlier, the idea of people around you who sort of push back on that. And, you know, I, I have gotten this question so much over the years, like how do you convince your partner, your mother-in-law, your mom, your dad, how do you convince them that to buy into your dream? And It's such a crappy answer, but it's the only one I've got, which is you make the dream work. Like, that's how nobody believed that I could write a book that anyone would buy. Nobody believed I could throw a conference. Nobody understood. I did. I was like, You it yourself.
1: And you got more and more committed. Yeah.
0: And to be honest, I won't even lie and say that I was like, I am going to be. I just felt very strongly, why not me? I don't, why not me? Like, Where is it? I can try. I know I'm a hard worker. I'm willing to fail again and again and again. I'm willing to suck at something. I'm willing to get better. And there's no one standing on this big stage as there were no women on the stage. And I just kept thinking, well, maybe I'm supposed to be that woman. And the more that I just kept with this idea of like, well, maybe. Well, how? Well, I, it just – I won't ever – I can't tell you that I 100% knew like, oh, it would be this. Sure. But I did – Feel really strongly that I could just keep putting one foot in front of the other and figuring it out, based completely on the idea of like, why not? Why not me? So, um, oh, that's so good. I can't wait. When does this book come out? I need- oh, x and
1: 2x. That one, I'll let you read. Okay, let, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, give me a. I'll, I'll let you read, a- read stuff. I if that, love that comes that. out like next
0: May or something, oh, like how that, but great. I'll, I'll let you read that. Yeah, I read apparently now, I read all your books and like a day. So Well, one I'll thing that's
1: interesting about that, going back to Michelangelo and the David, is what Michelangelo said, he asked, was asked by the Pope, like, what's this? What's your genius? And he said, I was taking away everything that's not David, right? So he, was, he took the block of marble, which was like 20 feet tall, and he just kept stripping away everything that was not David. And I think every time you make a massive jump in your life, it comes by stripping more and more away. You sim- what, how Dan says it is, you simplify before you multiply. So you actually have to simplify down to that core 20%. You have to be honest. What is the 10x, or what is my future self? How you can call it whatever you want, but it's it's it is a leap, and it, and you are different at that stage. And if you actually go for one of those leaps, not only will you be different, everything in your cycle, everything in your system will be different around you. Um, some of those people will probably be the same, but they'll be in your system. They'll be different too, um, because you'll be different. They'll be different. But you have to clarify and be honest. One of my favorite quotes, which I actually share in. I think probably both books because honestly my favorite quote, is uh, we're kept from our goal not by obstacles but by a clear path to lesser goals. So we're kept from our goal, whatever it is, not by the obstacles that are kind of going to be tough to get through. It's by a clear path to lesser goals that we ultimately keep saying yes to. Those are those 80% things that we're still entertaining. Maybe it's we keep saying yes to certain friends or to certain gigs or to certain bad habits, whatever it is. like Those are the things that we keep holding on to that are keeping us who we are which is fine and we love those things those are those are but every time you go up you actually are like stripping more away from the david and so you're getting simpler and simpler and simpler every time you go up and um, but as you go simpler in who you are actually uh your influence multiplies externally and so like every time you you go up you do less things yeah you know like it's like maybe in the past you were running all aspects of the business like but to make a 10x jump you have to really learn how to delegate and like you just focus on like the three or four things that are important and then you go up again simpler it's like no this is what you do and you got to get really good at this and you got to go deep on this and like you do less and less and you actually become simpler as a person too it's more of a stripping away and you really get to know yourself more and more as you do it and so it's really at the end of the day you being honest with yourself and honest with those around you and i think that um one thing that helps is um like for me I guess you're just being more and more genuine to who you are and letting other people be the same. And the people that resonate and continue on the journey will continue on the journey and the others, there's no judgment. Their future self's in a different direction. That's yeah. okay. You And and even one thing you said that was interesting is is like sometimes people are on a higher level than you at a certain point, but you can never predict who someone's future self will be. Like I remember when I was writing on Medium and I was like the big writer on Medium and there were like these, you know, little writers who were just starting, you know, and now they're, like, massively. That writer was
0: Stephen King. <laughs>
1: exactly. Like, now, no, but seriously, like, yeah. some of those writers who are, like, I was not paying attention to, like, now they're massively bigger uh, authors than me. I know, and vice versa. Some of my mentors now, like, are being mentored by yeah. me. And so, like, I guess never judge someone's current self, right? Oh, yeah. Because, like, their future self could be and will be wildly different. But, um, yeah, I, I think it, it's, it's, a, I actually think it's beautiful. And I, I've, I'm learning more and more to be less judgmental. Where it's like, it's okay if my path with someone else is going in different directions, that they have different goals than I now have. And for the people who I want to continue with, it's an ongoing conversation, their goals, my goals, and uh, striving to make it work, as you said, make the dream work, you know? And we've had to do that. Like my, for example, my wife, I did not want to do foster care. I wasn't against it, but that was her. Mm -hmm. We live in Orlando. She loves Disney. I would have gone somewhere else. Like, (laughs) you know, but like, we're still juggling and trying to make it work and so it's just yeah and i know i know certain business partnerships at some point will reach ahead you know where it's just like this worked to here but unless it changes where it fits for both of us we'll go in different directions and we'll be happy about it we'll be in the game you know Absolutely. we'll totally be in the game and we'll go in different directions and we'll move
0: forward